Community of Faith, how are we doing this morning? Yeah. All of you at home, how are you doing this morning? I think I heard them. I'm so glad you're here with us, whether you're online or you're right here in the room. Let me tell you something. You've been prayed over today. Did you know that? On Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, I call it the engine room because that's where the power comes from. Uh, I invite all of you, whoever wants to, to come. We're over in the, the other little uh, multi-purpose room and we pray together, believe for God to do some amazing things. We've seen some huge miracles. You never know who's gonna stop by. Uh, uh, Dolly Parton and Zach Williams came by and sang their new song on Wednesday night and Jose Altuve stopped in for a minute and uh, shared you know, about that exciting ninth inning win that got everything going. Okay, no, they weren't there except on video, okay? But you know who was there? The great king of the universe was there. And he's so faithful to meet us. He is. And uh, we prayed over you in this service. We saw God do some amazing things. I want to invite you, seven o'clock. No, it's not easy with the traffic. And so we get that. But if you want to get here, we've seen so many things, healing emotionally, physically. Uh, We've seen kids prayed over that have come back to where they need to be. We've just seen a, a lot of cool stuff happen. We want you to be here with us, and we've prayed over these services, so I know a miracle is going to happen in your heart today. Laura and I are closing out the Stronger series. We've been looking at the, the book of Daniel. I'm going to miss that lion up on the screen. Maybe we'll just have it up there all the time. I don't know, but uh, it, it's just kind of cool. But we've talked about opposition. We've talked about trials and tribulation. Even the last couple of weeks, we talked about uh, what the Bible calls the great tribulation that Jesus talked about that's coming, but it's also in the book of Daniel. Um, you know, I don't know if we're in the beginning of that. Jimmy Evans and some other pastors all say it's starting right now. There's nothing left in prophecy left to, to be done, and we're right moving on the cusp of that great tribulation. But whatever's going on, Jesus said it's going to be tough for us as, as believers. He said we'll be betrayed even by family, even by friends. And, you know, when I look at, at, at Daniel, Laura and I want to show you this morning how Daniel stayed strong in the midst of a culture that was totally against him, in the midst of severe, fierce opposition, even enemies that would seek to take his life. And um, I want you to know, no matter what's coming, that you can persevere and not only just survive, but even thrive. And I think uh, we can see that in some of the things that Daniel did. So as we wrap up this morning, I want us to look at what Daniel put into play to be able to do that, the same things that you can do even right now. You know, as Mark and I were studying this week, he and Wes have covered so many things over the course of these weeks, studying Daniel and, and deep things, profound things. And we were studying this week, and I started thinking, this is just simple. You know, is, is this too simple coming on the heels of all those other things? And then I realized and that as simple as these truths are, they have the power to totally transform your life. These are the things, the spiritual disciplines that we saw over the course of Daniel's life. And so we do want to look at those this morning. It boils down to just these few things. And to the parents here this morning with their little ones, I want you to know that if you will put these things into practice in your life, You'll be the kind of parent that you dream of being. Now, you can't control your kids. They have their own personalities, and they'll make their decisions. But if you do these things, 
you will know that you've been the parent that God created you to be. So often we look at people in the Bible and we think they're supernatural in some way. You know, we look at the prophets or the stories of Jesus' disciples and we think they're, they're somehow different than we are, right? I mean, they're better, they're stronger, they're supernatural. But the truth is they were just like you and me. They didn't have anything that we don't have available to us today as well. The great news that we can do these same spiritual disciplines and experience the strength and the power and the victory that Daniel saw in his life. The first thing I want you to remember from the study of Daniel is that Daniel prayed. Listen to Daniel 6.10. Daniel always prayed to God three times every day. Three times every day he bowed down on his knees to pray and praise God. Then Daniel bowed down on his knees and prayed just as he had always done. The context of this verse is when the king had declared that the people should not pray to anybody but him for 30 days. You may remember that story that Mark and Wes shared, but Daniel knew that he couldn't do that. He only prayed to God, so he had returned to his room that day, and he did what he always did. He had the habit of praying, and that's exactly what Daniel did. It was a habit. Habits are important in our lives. Did you know that? Especially in our spiritual life. Habits shape your life. Habits make you who you are. You probably don't realize even how strong they are. I know I didn't really, but our brains cling to habits even over common sense. Have you seen that in your life? I know I've experienced that in my life. You know, even that argument that you get in sometimes, you know, over and over and over with your spouse, sometimes it's just a habit. Exactly. And we we see that in every area of our life. Did you know that 40% of the things that you do daily, they're not decisions that you make. They're the result of habits that you've developed in your life. That's a significant portion of your life. Habit is important. Studies show they grow stronger and stronger over time, and they become more and more automatic. You know that, right? So you want to make sure you have the right habits. Daniel had the right habits. He had developed the right habits in his life. Habits are so powerful because they uh, create new neural pathways in our brain. You've probably heard Mark say before that that neurons that fire together wire together. Your brain actually changes shape and form in response to the habits. And science has shown that habits actually create neurological cravings in our bodies, in our physical bodies and emotional bodies. Because when we have a developed habit and we perform that habit, your brain secretes those pleasure chemicals that we have. So it's important that we develop the correct habits. Psalm 34, 7 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've always loved that verse, but that little word delight has always been kind of funny to me. I'm like, what what does that mean exactly? You know, if I want to do what the Bible is telling me, how do I delight myself in the Lord? I don't understand that. I don't really use that word in normal conversation. You always say delight in me though, right? (laughs) I, I delight in Mark, yes, but that's not what this verse is talking about. Sometimes you just have to fish for those, you know. You're like... <laughs> um, but what I realized with this verse is that you, if you develop the habit of prayer or any spiritual uh, <clears throat> habit in your life, a spiritual discipline in your life, then every time you do it, your brain is going to secrete those pleasure chemicals, and you're going to find that you delight yourself in the Lord. You delight more and more in prayer. You delight more and more in those spiritual disciplines, and that's why it's so important. And you know, scientists also tell us that we don't actually break habits. 
We just replace habits. Isn't that interesting? And it's interesting because that's exactly what the Bible teaches us. All throughout scripture, you see um, the Bible saying, put off this particular activity and put on this particular activity. You see lots of scriptures that say that one in particular, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, put off worrying. Instead, pray about everything, put on prayer. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He knew the king had made this decree, and he knew by him praying to his God, he was going against the law of the land and that there would be consequences. But he also had developed the habit of prayer, and he put off worry, and he put on prayer. He knew God could be trusted, and so he just did exactly what he had developed in his life, the spiritual habit of prayer. When you develop that in your life, you're going to see change. The goals of your life change. The goal of spiritual discipline is always that you will grow closer to Jesus and become more like him in your life. And that's what Daniel did. Prayer doesn't have to be complicated. I mean, it says here that Daniel prayed three times a day. Maybe if you don't have the habit of prayer, maybe that's where you start. Just simply pray three times a day. Could be at your meals. Or maybe you want to set your phone alarm so that it goes off three times a day and just reminds you, hey, I'm going to stop for a minute and pray you'll find that everything in your life changes. Just like Mark said earlier, if you want to talk more about prayer, if you want to be involved in it more, we do invite you to come Wednesday night. Um, Maybe that'll be one of the habits you begin to put in your life as you develop the spiritual habit of prayer. So Daniel prayed. Another thing that Daniel did is he walked filled with God's spirit. We see over and over the kings or the pagan culture saying things about Daniel. Let me just read some of the things they said. Daniel 6.3, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, we would see that at first and say, oh, he was like positive and upbeat. Yes, but it wasn't that. It was that God's spirit. But, you know, the pagan culture around him, they didn't know what that was. They didn't know what was happening. Another, the king calls him in. He says, I've heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. Well, that's how a pagan king would say it, but we know it's not the spirit of the gods, it's God's Holy Spirit. And yes, the Holy Spirit showed up all through the Bible. We see him coming in power after Jesus' death and resurrection uh, into our lives. But let me just tell you a little bit about the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of misconceptions about Holy Spirit. See, God is one, and God is three. That kind of boggles our mind. How can God be one and God be three? But it's God is one, but he's in three different manifestations. He shows himself in three different ways, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And when we pray, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're praying just in the name of God, but that's the manifestations you say, I still don't really get it. Well, if you think about me, like I have some different ways that you see me, the way that I show myself. I'm your pastor, right? I'm Mark, your pastor. But I'm also Mark, a father. Now, I don't treat you like a kid, right? Because you're my friends, my neighbors, my congregation. But with my children, I show myself as a father. Mark is a husband. With Laura, I show myself as an amazing husband. Uh, and He is. 
Um, the, the Bible also says that, that Laura and I are one. And it's true in a spiritual sense. We're one up here. That's why I always say we're Lark, you know, Laura, Mark, Lark. But when we get to heaven, I'm just going to call us Lark. But, um, you know, the, the thing is that we're very different, very unique. They say you look more alike as you get older. Um, I won the lottery on that one, you know. <laughs> Sorry for her. But, um, in fact, somebody told me not long ago, he said, your children, they got all their looks from you. And I said, thank you. He said, because your wife still has her. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to growing that beard. <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I'm leaving planet Earth, but I'm sending my spirit. It's going to be even better than me being here in one place. Imagine if Jesus was physically physically here right now. He'd be over in Israel somewhere, right? And we'd go, wow, Jesus is great. He's over there. You know, Jesus, can you, you know, FaceTime in or something? Um, but his spirit, that manifestation of God can be all over at the same time. And it's so interesting because a lot of you as believers, you stepped into this journey full out with God. You said, it's not about what I can do. I'm not going to, I'm just going to quit trying to be better, better, better. I'm going to step into what God has for me, and I accept, Jesus, what you did on the cross for me, and I give you all of myself, and in that moment, Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you to give you new power, power that you haven't had, and if you're not a believer and you're trying to break addictions and other things, you're just in your own power or trying to get enough self-control or trying to not, you know, quell your temper or what, but if you've got if you're a believer and you stepped in, Holy Spirit is there to give you strength and power to do that. Let me just read you a couple of cool verses out of the New Testament. Romans 5.5, 5, this hope that we have, that we can change, that we can be all God dreams of us being is not a disappointing fantasy. For some of you, it seems like it's been that so far because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Another verse says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, for all the fullness of deity lives bodily in Jesus, and in him you have been filled to fullness. So it kind of brings up a question, well, who lives in us, Holy Spirit? Yes. Jesus? Yes. God? Yes. They're all the same but the manifestation is through the Holy Spirit. Laura and I were talking the other day about the Spirit and just the amazing thing that walking in the Spirit, and I wanna teach you a little bit about that because walking in the Spirit changes everything. If you're a believer, that's where the power comes from. That's where you see your marriage transform. You know, I told you a few months back that about my experience going to the psychiatrist. You know, I have a friend that's a psychiatrist. I was talking to him about some things and he realized, I think you have ADHD. And I was like, I don't have ADHD. He asked Laura, does he have it? I don't think. And then I started testing for it. And um, my psychiatrist came back crying, which is not good. You know, when your psychiatrist is crying over your mental health, it's not a good thing. All right. So um, he said, you've got the worst case of adult ADHD that I've ever seen. And I realized as he starts talking about it, I've had it all my life. And he said to me, he said, the thing is, Mark, he said, as bad as you have this, 
with no medication ever in your life? He said, I can't believe that you're married. (laughs) He said, I can't believe that you've accomplished anything in your life at all. And I was, well, thank you, sir. No, but we started talking about it. And hey, don't get me wrong. Uh, I believe in medication, you know, for ADHD. It's an amazing thing to be able, you know, used to when I would sit with Laura and talk to her and one-on-one and I'm trying to be there and be present, I'd have a thousand things going in my head at the same time. And she always said, it feels like you're present, but you're not present, you know? And now it's like, I'm all there, right? Whatever that is, I'm there. She gets what she gets. Don't go fit. Um, But... (laughs) You know, here's the thing is, um, it's just been this amazing thing. But when he was saying, I'm stunned, he said, people I know that have this as bad as you that never got it treated, they never did anything. They just jumped from job to job and they jumped from, you know, one relationship to another. And we were talking about that. You know what the difference was for us? Well, Laura's really patient. That's one thing. But the Holy Spirit, because both of us started early, even as, uh, in our late teenage years, we, we started walking in the Spirit. We, we had come into a relationship with God, and we started letting the Holy Spirit move in our life and give us strength and power. And yeah, I still had ADHD to the max. I mean, I look back, I had to go, you know, apologize to about 100 people, you know, for all my ADHD symptoms that I, I played out on them. But the, the thing is, when you look at it, Look what the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces a different kind of fruit. Unconditional love. Well, that works good in a marriage, right? Joy, peace, patience, kind-heartedness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Well, the Holy Spirit was producing these things in me. It wasn't me. It was him giving me that strength. And, and that enabled us to overcome a lot of things. We saw amazing things happen in Mexico saw amazing things happen when we started Community of Faith here in 2003, and and to be consistent and to keep going in spite of the fact that, you know, I want to jump all over the place. Well, how do you do that, Mark? I I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I need something. I like to call it spiritual breathing. Some of you have taught this before, but uh, if you don't know this, this is a huge key for the Christian life, okay? To walk filled with the Spirit. First of all, you've stepped in to this relationship full out with God, okay? Jesus, what you did on the cross for me, that's what I'm stepping into. Not my own efforts, not trying to be a little bit better, not trying to help my fellow man. What I'm doing is I want your life in me. That's why, you know, in some traditions, they say, Jesus, come into my heart, you know? That's not in the Bible, but it's not a bad concept, right? Because it is an understanding of God coming to live inside of you. And that's, that's what he does. And so to spiritually breathe, you have to exhale and inhale. So the Holy Spirit lives in you and he's always gonna be there. He never leaves, but a lot of times he gets pushed off into a tiny little corner. As you take control of your life, say, I'm running my life. Holy Spirit's real patient. He gives you all kinds of power if, if you let him be in charge. But if you wanna be in charge, he'll let you. Okay, so one of the things that that causes a problem and blocks this relationship is sin. And so to exhale is to confess. Now, it's so interesting because many of us, we you don't have to sin every day, but most of us do at least a few 
few times, some of us a few hundred times, but, you know, um, as you sin and you confess, the word confess in the Bible means simply to agree with. You just agree. It doesn't mean that you come and, and try to go through some motions, Mark, you know, Father, forgive me, I've sinned and I haven't been in church in 20 years or something. It just means that in that moment, you agree with God that what you did was sin. I shouldn't have gossiped about her. That was sin. I, I lusted. That was sin. You know, I got angry and I yelled and I said some things that that was just sin. I agree with you. That was ugly. It was sin. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to spiritually breathe. Are you ready? Some of you haven't breathed out in a while, okay? When you breathe out, what happens? Carbon dioxide, all those poisons get out. So close your eyes for a minute, all across this room, and we're going to breathe. So here's how you confess. Don't try to dredge up everything you've ever done from the time you were three. Just say, Holy Spirit. If you're a believer, say, Holy Spirit, you live inside of me. Would you bring to my mind right now anything that I need to agree with you, confess, is sin, and I will just agree. And some things will pop up in your mind. I agree, that was sin. I agree with you. You don't have to crawl on your hands and knees across broken glass. You just agree, okay? So for some of you, you need a couple of hours to do this, but we don't have that time. So I'm gonna let you just in this couple of minutes, I'm gonna be quiet just for 30 seconds. Don't try to dredge up stuff. Maybe he'll only bring up one or two things right now just to get you ready. I agree with you. That was sin. Now you breathe in. How do you breathe in? It says be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's passive. It's not you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. So you've got the Holy Spirit. He's already in you. Now just say, thank you that you're inside of me. Now just fill me. Just be in control. I give you charge of my life right now. That's, that's the breathing in all the good stuff, okay? Just tell him that. Fill me. You're there. You have to do it, but you fill me up. You be in charge. Now, as you look back up here, that's pretty simple. But as you walk in that, then what starts to happen? Unconditional love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things that, it, it talked about there, okay? And it's so interesting in the Bible, the first time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned is in Genesis, right at the beginning. It said, God's spirit brooded over the face of the deep. God had put part of the world together, just the deep oceans and stuff and no land, no anything. And his spirit brooded. Now, when you think brooded, you think, you know, kind of like a negative thought or I'm brooding about you, you know? No, it's not brooding in that sense. It's like a, a chicken that's brooding. You ever, we don't have many farmers in here, but you know, if you had a brooding hen, that means that they get in this attitude where they're gonna stay on those eggs until something happens, right? Not giving up on those eggs. The eggs might not even be fertilized, but they're not getting off those eggs. And they'll only get up like once or twice a day to go try to eat a little bit or something. They run back and sit on their eggs again. That's the whole idea. The spirit was brooding waiting for all of creation to happen, for the stars to be flung into space, for all of it. The Spirit is brooding. What's really cool about that is the Spirit is brooding right now over us. The same power that was released into creation, the Spirit is brooding, ready to release it now 
in our lives in this place right now. And that's just a, a really, really cool thing. As we walk filled with the Spirit in that simple spiritual breathing, Holy Spirit, fill me. You say, that sounds way too easy. Well, it's the same as breathing physically. You know, if you start and you're trying to think about it all the time, you just kind of let it happen, right? It becomes natural. It becomes a habit. But life happens as you breathe. If you decide, you know, I don't want to breathe for a couple of days, it's not a good thing, right? And, and so just do that. And even the, the breathing in of him, it just relax. It's natural. It's easy if you're a believer. So Daniel prayed. Daniel walked filled with the Spirit. The third thing we see in the life of Daniel is that he studied and memorized God's word. Daniel 9.2 says this, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures. And I think that little word understood is so important because he couldn't have understood anything from the scriptures if he wasn't reading it, if he wasn't memorizing it. You see him later on in the chapter refer back to the prophet Jeremiah and the things that he had read in the scripture from there and remembered. It's so important that we do that. The same is true of the Bible. If I don't read it, I'm not going to know what it says, and I'm sure not going to understand it in any kind of way. The only way you can understand it is if you've studied it. It's kind of like, you know, cryptocurrency is the big thing all out in the world today that you hear about. And, you know, I hear everybody talk about it. Mark talks about it. Our son talks about it. And my eyes just roll back. My son David bought a crypto toad the other day, and we're going, crypto (laughs) toad, and it doubled in value like in one day, you know, and I'm going like, I don't know what this stuff is either sometimes. (laughs) And I can't, I really can't understand it. And they will talk more and explain it to me again and talk a little louder. And I'm like, I'm never going to get it. It's like you are speaking a foreign language to me. And she doesn't want to get it. I don't want to get it. (laughs) But the reason I don't is because I haven't read about it. I haven't studied it. I haven't looked into it. And honestly, I don't plan to. But um, (laughs) if you don't read about something, if you don't study something, if you don't spend time looking at it, there's no way you're going to understand it or know anything about it. And that's just the truth about the scriptures. If I don't read it, if I don't take time to study it and take time to meditate and to memorize it, I'm not going to know what it says even. I'm not going to be able to put it into practice in my life. I won't know what God is wanting me to do in my life if I don't take the time to do that. God's word was a priority in Daniel's life. And we need to develop that same habit, making it a priority in our life. Most likely, I'm not going to be thrown to a lion's den in the course of my life, and you won't either. But we're going to face some hard things. She got married to me, for one thing. I married Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll face hard things in our life. And if we don't have the power of the Scripture to carry with us through those times, it's going to be really hard. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what's right. We all need that, right? I don't want you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask you a question. When was the last time that you sat down and you opened up your Bible and you spent time reading the scripture? and looking at the words and pondering about what they mean and and what could it mean for you. I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty, but I think we all could say it hasn't been enough, right? It hasn't been enough for me to understand what's in there, to understand what God wants for my life. 
Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It doesn't expose them to the rest of the world, but it exposes them to me. I'm sitting there with God, and his word speaks into my heart and says, Hey, I see this. This is where you need to confess. This is where you need to make a change. This is what's been going on that's led you to this point. Now let's get back to the way I want you to live your life. You know, when it talks about that, it, it shows you things. It's like, it, it was a couple of years ago that, you know, there was this, this certain thing that Laura and I just kept going back and forth on all of our life. And finally, it was like Holy Spirit just said to me, that's, you need to just confess. You need to tell her, this is wrong on, on my part. You know, I was good at telling her it was wrong on her part, right? And finally, I said that, and she looked at me, and she goes, you know, there's medication for that. And she was kidding around, and then we were both looking like going, there is medication. You know, it's like, so that's what began to open up this journey that even revealed my ADHD and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, as spirit, like, Mark, you're wrong about this. You need to see this in yourself. And we're not very good at seeing that if we don't have the Holy Spirit to do that. God's word is, is powerful. And the more time you spend reading it and meditating on it, the more you're going to see change in your life. That's just how it works. That's how it worked in Daniel's life. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You can be sure that the scripture is true and right and lovely and honorable and worthy of praise. And if you fix your mind on that, it's going to change everything for you. You know, when Daniel was being thrown into the lion's den, he could have fixed his mind on his fear and fixed his mind on the thought of that hungry lion and the noises that were coming out of the lion's den. But I imagine that he fixed his mind on the word of God that he had already memorized, knowing that God was good and God was his rescuer, his redeemer, that he was going to come through and provide for him. And that's how he was able to face that situation and not be scared out of his mind because he had the word of God in his heart and his mind. And the same thing works for us. Recently, I've been focusing on Romans 8.31. If God is for us, no one can defeat us. Now just think if you had that scripture in your mind and you come back to it over the course of the day, whatever challenge you're facing, God is for me. Nothing can defeat me. Whatever difficulty you have, whether it's on the job or in the home, if you remember that God is for you, it changes everything. That's just one little verse and there are thousands and thousands of them. It will change your life. And you know, we're all different. Um, Some of you reading is not really a thing you do. But did you know that there are audio versions of the Bible? You can get an app. You can take time every day to listen to it if reading is hard for you. You have comic verse, book versions. That's true. I want to encourage you to do that. And for all of us, it'll look different. We're different. Our personalities are different. Some of you have your Bible, and it's full of drawings and underlines and arrows and notes written down, things that connected with you between God's Word and your experience, and you want to remember that. That's great. For some of you, you are more musical in nature, and maybe you want to set God's word to song, and that will help you to remember it. That's just like the songs we sing here, the, the one we just sing today about Jireh. That's straight from the scripture. Do that if that's who you are. But take time every day to spend it in God's word. And as you do that, as you develop that habit over time, you're going to see your life transformed, and you will become more like Daniel from the inside out, stronger and able to face whatever comes your way. So Daniel prayed. He walked filled with the Spirit. He he studied the Scripture, but he not only just studied it, 
he did it. He obeyed God's word no matter the cost. And I think you see that all the way through. You remember he was just a teenage boy when he was taken off to Babylon. His whole city was demolished. I think he had learned at his mother's knee the the story of Joseph because that had happened some hundreds of years before and there was scripture already of that. And one of the scriptures Joseph says at the end of his life to his brothers who betrayed him and sold him into slavery, he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That mama that he learned at her knee, she might've been killed by these Babylonians because many of the the city were, it was wiped out. They took the the kids captive and were gonna bring them into their culture. But Daniel, all the way through, from the lions to every, you intended it to harm me. God's going to do something good out of it. Because he's, and so he's just believing that. He's stepping into that. We talked last week, just for a moment, I said I would describe it just quickly to you again, kedging. Kedging is a word we don't use very much. It's a sailor's word. And it's not even used that much in, in modern sailing because It's a term that was used back when they had the big sailing ships that had to catch the wind. And sometimes a storm would come up and the wind would be blowing adversely or maybe in all different directions and the ship won't go right. You know, they would try to catch it in the big sails and there's times that they could catch it if it was blowing a certain way and consistent. But I mean, so sometimes they would just, sometimes there's no wind and it's a dead standstill and it just feels like they're not getting anywhere. Well, then they would, pull out a special anchor call it, called a kedging anchor. And they would put it in a little rowboat and five or six sailors would row out ahead of the ship. They would have a long chain on it, sometimes as much as a mile long. And those sailors would try to find something really solid to put that kedging chain into if they could find like a rock formation or anything like that. And they would put it in there and it would be strong and sturdy. And then those sailors, all of them on the ship would begin to pull the chain pull the chain. I think there's a spiritual kedging that we need to do. And that is that each link of that chain is a promise. There's 7,000 promises in the Bible. And the verse that we read last week, which I think is just such an interesting verse in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, it says, we who are refugees from this dying world. So that kind of shows you the place we're in, right? so that we might have a source of strength and might grasp the hope that God holds out to us, this hope we hold as the utterly reliable anchor for our souls fixed in the very certainty of God himself in heaven. This picture is that it's like a kedging anchor, but it's, where's it anchored? It's anchored in God himself sitting on his throne in heaven. Everybody has an anchor. All of us have an anchor. Where'd you put your anchor? In a relationship? Could be betrayed. In cryptocurrency? Well, some days you're going, what? You know? So where's your anchor? Is it in anything in this world It's going to let you down and it's not, you're not going to be able to get any traction? It's like putting it in the sand. But the Bible says that our anchor as believers is in God, the immovable rock. And so we have this chain of his promises that comes all the way to us. And what's really interesting, there's also an anchor inside of us, Holy Spirit, still God. So God is connected to God. 
That's a pretty cool thing. But when things get really rough and the storm rages against you, there's gonna be times that you need to grab one of those promises and just begin to pull with all your might and pull with all your might and pull with all your might. I get this next promise and this next promise and this next promise and you're just pulling in closer to God. What usually happens when a storm comes? Well, God let me down. He's a million miles away. He didn't move. You floated off somewhere in the storm, right? So we begin to do it the other way. The other cool thing is that even when you run out of steam and go, God, I can't do it anymore. I don't even think I can grab this promise. I don't even want to go to church today. I don't, you know, I just feel spirit in you is still pulling, okay? If you'll just do that spiritual breathing and still pulling you into God, pulling you into God, it's never going to let you go. Never. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I know there's been times, Laura, in your life that I've watched you do that kedging thing. Yeah. I mean, over the course of my life, I think you see it more clearly um, in the hardest times of your life, right? When you, you need that and, and see God come through for you. I remember, and I'll just share a couple of those with you to give you an idea of what we're talking about. But I remember when we lived in Mexico City, and you may have heard Mark talk about it before, but there was a night that he was held at gunpoint. He was with our uh, missionary partner, Dennis, and they were in the car. And this guy came on the road and was pointing a gun through the windshield at Mark's head. About three feet away. And there were two other guys running up to the sides of the car with guns. And um, obviously that's a frightening experience. And, and Dennis thankfully had the, the wherewithal to realize and the, I guess, James Bond skills to back up and make this fancy move and get them out of that situation with nobody getting hurt. We called hurt. Dennis the wild man missionary because he was always crazy, you know? And, and so he starts to make this James Bond move. And he told me afterwards, he goes, I was thinking, and for some reason, you know, you always wonder what you're going to think when someone points a gun two feet from your head. And I think I'm just going to, oh, Jesus, you know, my life is yours in this moment. Melt the gun if you want, whatever, you know. No, I was like trying to get down below the dashboard. And then I'm thinking, Dennis is driving. Why is he pointing the gun at me, you know? But he's like pointing through the front windshield. And Dennis gets away. And, and uh, it looked like the guy actually pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. But Dennis said to me, he goes, that would have been so cool if he would have shot you, you know? And I was like, huh? He goes, yeah, because I saw you. You're going like this. And he said he could have gone through one hand, the other hand maybe taken off your ear and you could have said, people give to missions all over the world. You know, I go, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And then he said, no, really what I was thinking was that guy might shoot me two or three times, but I still think I can get out of here. But if he shoots Mark in the head, Laura's going to be really mad. <laughs> and and I, yes, I would have been pretty angry. But when Mark came home and he told me about what had happened, and of course, by that point, they were terrified as well. But I got really scared and I started thinking, you know, what are we doing here? You know, why are we in Mexico City? I, our three kids are with us. I'm like, I just need to get the kids and head back home. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done. And I was frightened. I thought I'm never leaving the house again, you know, until we go home to Houston and I'm just going to stay right here. We lived in a little gated community and, you know, which would have been great as a, as a missionary, never interact with the people in the country. Um, <laughs> But I remember sitting down the next day and just having, I had developed a habit of spending time in God's word and reading it. And, and I sat down and, and I had all of this emotion running through me. And, and I opened up the scripture that day and I just happened to be, <clears throat> excuse me, at Psalm 121. And I want you to hear the words that I read that morning. It says, Yahweh himself will watch over you. He's always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. 
He's protecting you from all danger, both day and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continuously watches over you. I mean, you can look at every word of that and and see the hand of God and the word of God speaking directly to my heart. And the thing for me that was so powerful is that it showed that God knew, like he saw me, he heard my heart, he saw what happened, he knew the fear that I had, and he took the time to speak directly to me that day and say, I am here and I have you and there is nothing you need to worry about. And it was so profound for me. And to take that with me over the course of the years, honestly, that we lived in Mexico City, which at the time was not a super safe city. And I would hold on to that scripture at any time and and pull the chain. Like, God, I need to pull it again today. I need to hear that again today to know that I am safe in your hands no matter what comes, no matter what happens. And that didn't mean that, that something terrible couldn't happen, but it meant that I was in God's hand and anything that came would have to be filtered through him and approved by him. To come into my life, knowing that he would be the one that would carry me through. I saw it as well um, when I had cancer yeah. all those years ago. And, um, you know, I actually have a 10-page document of scriptures that God showed to me during the course of that year as I was getting treatment for cancer. And, and every like one a, of those... a diagnosis, like 50-50 chance to live. Yeah, at the time, I didn't know what was going to happen. And um, every one of those scriptures became like a link on the chain for me. And I honestly carried them with me to every treatment, took my Bible with me, and I just would hang on to it and pull that chain. It wasn't easy, as you know, um, if you've been through something like that. It's hard work. But I remember one of those early days um, as I'm feeling fearful and just wondering, you know, what does this mean? Am I going to die at 46? Am I going to, you know, I just, I don't know what's going to happen. It wasn't what I expected or what I was planning on. And I sat down again with my Bible one day and it was Psalm 139, 16. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. And honestly, I was kind of shocked to read those words that day because I had in my mind that cancer had the power to cut my life short, that I might not live to see my kids graduate from high school and college or see them get married. I may never know my grandchildren. And to read that verse that day and read that God had planned my life from before I was ever born, he determined the number of days I would live. It suddenly was so freeing to know that that cancer's not in control. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what the treatment is. It doesn't even matter if this is the way that I die because God has determined my life and cancer can't cut it short. However many days I have, they came from him. And it was such a powerful moment for me to, and freeing, like I said, to know that that God is in charge of all of this. And thankfully, it wasn't time. That was 12 years ago, but I'm so grateful that he gave me that verse in the beginning and so many more over the course of that year that I hung on to and pulled that chain into to get through that year. Yeah, Laura's my hero and so much of that, you know, I just have watched her live her life that way. And it's, I, I always tell her she's like a little warrior woman, you know, I call her baby giant because uh, she's little, but she's like a giant, you know, to me spiritually. And uh, like I told her, I think two nights ago, I said, you're like my spiritual hero. It's kind of <laughs> cool to be married to your spiritual hero you know, because um, I've just seen her do that. Okay, Jesus said, I'll close with this, 
a great tribulation is coming, which has never been seen the like of from the beginning of time till now and will never be again. Is that upon us? I don't know. No prophecies left to be fulfilled. I don't know what's coming. But here's what I can tell you is that if you know that God is good and that God is in charge and that his plans are working out and even his plans for you, maybe you're in the middle of something right now and you're like, doesn't make any sense. It says he's so other than us. We can't understand it, but do you trust his heart? Some of it is, have you been grabbing hold of his promises? Sometimes he wants to move it and change it. Sometimes he wants to give you the power to go through it but you're moving into his heart the whole time as a believer. So whether it is at the very end of the age or we've still got some years left, that's not important. You're gonna go through trial and tribulation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Paul said, if you marry, you'll have more trouble. Some of you aren't warned of that, but just begin to grab hold of those promises. And even if you're at the point this morning where I just can't do it anymore, Holy Spirit in you still got it. He's not letting go. He's right there. Close your eyes with me for a minute. Maybe you just want to say in a sentence or two, God, these simple habits, they're simple, but they're kind of profound. They're simple, but they're kind of impossible. Not impossible to Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He loves to do this stuff. For you just to walk filled with the Spirit, it'll change everything. It'll change your relationship. It'll change the way you see yourself. Holy Spirit loves you. You're his little son, his little daughter. God loves you and he's pulling you into himself no matter what's going on. And if it is the great tribulation, we're gonna all suffer That doesn't mean that he's abandoned us. He told us it's coming. Keep pulling into his heart. He's not done. He's not done. He's not done. There will come a day when we sit on the throne with him and rule and reign with him. That's what he's been teaching us, how to rule and reign. You just say, I'm going to choose to trust you. I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to obey it no matter the cost. And you'll begin to see the miracle unfold in you. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God over us. Let no one within the sound of my voice or even those listening later in the week, let nothing come against us that we don't stand in your word and in prayer. Your good will be done over us. Bring heaven to earth. We pray as you taught us how to pray. I will be done. Thy kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen.